0: Money FM 89.3, the best of prime time. In the spotlight on Money FM 89.3.
1: Thanks for joining us on prime time. I'm Bharati Jagdish. Now, the 1872 Clipper Tea Company. It is Singapore's oldest tea producer, blender and retailer. The Heritage brand celebrates its 150th anniversary this year. And of course, it is renowned in many quarters for its commitment to delivering the finest teas from all corners of the world. It also works closely with ethical partners. This has become very, very important to consumers these days. It's all about moving towards a more sustainable tea industry globally. Apparently, the company also empowers Sri Lanka's tea pluckers. It champions fair living wages, which is a major issue in the industry. So let's find out what's next for this heritage brand with Rehan Amarasuria. He's director and fifth generation leader of the 1872 Clipper Tea Company, also executive director of BP DeSilva Holdings. Hi, Rehan. Thanks for joining us.
0: Hi, thanks for having me.
1: Rehan, tell us the story. First of all, this is a brand that has been in the market for over a 100 years, and I believe it started because one of your ancestors decided that he wanted to combine jewelry with the joys of drinking tea. So tell me more about that story first.
0: Yeah, so the founder, actually uh, Balagay Parolis, so that's BP De Silva, that's my great-great grandfather, always believed of starting a, a business relationship over a cup of tea. Mm. and having having it uh, having a much more uh, comfortable environment, and he would he would always start the conversation with a a cup of ceylon tea and uh, and that was really how he went about his business and The story then leads us into the second generation, which uh, we got into the plantation business, and in the third generation, we started the export business out of Sri Lanka, and now in the fifth generation, the fourth and fifth generation, you know, we are trying to build this brand.
1: Mm, I'm sure that the industry has evolved considerably since you took over as well. What have yes. some of the challenges been?
0: Some of the challenges are that a lot of the the know-how that has been passed down over the many generations are actually getting lost. Because the art of tea tasting, it's very hard to have uh, tea tasters who stay with us you know, for 30, 40, 50 years uh, these days. And, you know, it takes about 10 years to train uh, a tea taster to become a professional. And it's, it's very hard to retain the talent and there are less people coming into the industry. Mm. So that's Tell me real... more
1: about the complexities of the tea tasters' job. What, what exactly is it about? They don't just sit around and taste tea, right? Obviously, no, there's so an they, art and a science so, to this.
0: So, so just to give you an idea of the complexity, uh, the tea tasters in Sri Lanka that we have taste about 10,000 cups of tea uh, every week. And basically, from that 10,000, they have to ascertain what are the samples that actually fit into the recipes that have been preset by customers around the world.
1: Mm,
0: And that is is very complex. So you need to have a very fine palate, a very refined palate and a lot of uh, patience to do that over a long period of time.
1: One thing I can say, Rehan, is that over the years, there has been so much innovation in terms of flavors. So much so that whenever I go to a specialty tea place, I suffer from options paralysis. There's just so many to choose from. Is this a good thing or a bad thing? I mean, is this necessarily
0: a good thing, really? I, I mean, my view is that, you know, I think there needs to be a bit of innovation and creativity, but I think some brands have really stretch that to the point that I think it becomes almost a barrier or jarring to consumers. Mm. Uh, It could become very... uh, They could feel very lost. So in Clipper Tea, what I try to do is uh, really offer some classics. We have a category called Essentials, where it's the essential blends that you would drink, your English breakfast, your all gray, but then we do have categories where we we do have some of those creative blends, but we don't stretch it too wide. you know We want to keep the offering very concise and a nice experience for for tea drinkers
1: mm, I think that would certainly help. You have to maintain a balance between variety and also you know not putting consumers into. Uh, and options paralysis, as I was uh, mentioning earlier. Yeah, and
0: I I believe we need to guide that process and we need to be a Mm. nice bridge for people to get to understand the world of tea and, you know, just be that nice bridge that they could nicely walk across and and understand the category better.
1: Mm. Some people might say, you know what, the coffee culture is so much bigger than tea and don't forget the bubble tea culture as well. So how do you stand up against all of these things?
0: Uh, So it's very interesting because if you think about coffee, uh, from a profile point of view, from a taste profile, it fits in a certain box. But with tea, you actually have a much wider palette to play with because you have all the dehydrated herbs, the flowers, even uh, green tea, oolong, black tea, and that gives a much wider uh, uh, space to play. And touching on on the drinks, the bubble tea and the coffee chains that have come up, I think there's a lot of opportunity in this space of uh, FMB. And that's something that us in Clipper Tea, we're also focusing on. Uh, So in now all our outlets, we have uh, tea bars where we actually produce drinks, uh, freshly brewed drinks uh, for consumers to enjoy the tea. Um, And I think that's a growing category. Uh, as you could see during COVID, everyone was still crazy about their bubble tea, and even mm. PM had to tell the public, hey, "Yeah, please, please stop queuing for your bubble tea. We need to, we need to control the the crowds."
1: Yeah, exactly. Don't you want your regular tea to also be in the headlines for that reason, <laughs> Rayhan? No,
0: I, I think I think it's just I'm just happy for the category because at the end of the day, even bubble tea is not to be looked down upon. It's still a, a way, a medium of engagement to the tea category. So I'm, I'm just happy that, you know, it's really where the category is growing.
1: Mm. And of course, speaking of the category going, there have been a lot of big brands that have come into Singapore as well as globally, as well in the tea sector. What exactly would you say is your key to actually keeping up with the competition, surpassing the competition in this day and age?
0: Well, I, I don't think it's about surpassing or keeping up. I think we have to be very focused with what we're trying to achieve, and that's really to position ourselves as a speciality tea blender. I think, there's, I think a lot of people misuse a lot of terminology, but this is something that's very uh, true to us because we have such deep connections to the supply chain, to the plantation, to the manufacturing, and we are so integrated that we are able to pick very special lots of tea for consumers, and and that's something that uh, I think we have to stay true to and keep working on.
1: Mm. You did mention the challenges that you're having with tea tasters. How do you plan on overcoming something like that?
0: So about four years, I started a, uh, co-founded a startup called Profile Print, and uh, Profile Print. The idea around that was to actually. So tasting tea is actually very qualitative in nature and the idea, the, the key premise was could we digitize taste and something that was qualitative, could we make it quantitative? Mm. And uh, basically we did a project with uh, Star and NUS and we created a, a technology, a hardware and a software that is able to detect from the molecules of a tea plant, we could get 6,000 data points. and it builds a taste map and and uh yeah it's been pretty successful and now people are using the technology in coffee and in cocoa and Mm. uh yeah do you think it is as
1: good as having a real trained tea taster on staff
0: so how it's played out is that there's no real decision like i think both sides have their pros and cons um And I think the machine is a lot more consistent, but Mm. I think the human is a lot more nuanced. And I think Mm. it's the marriage of both. The way I look at it, it's kind of like Superman, you know, like when he has his suit on, he has a superpower to do super things. And I I see that uh, with profile print, like together with profile print, with the humans together, we can do amazing things.
1: Okay. I might consider a career as a tea taster. I'll need to go through some reskilling and upskilling right. of course, but uh, we'll hit me see. up any time. Hit me up anytime. <laughs> okay, here's the thing, Rehan, with ESG yeah. concerns becoming more yeah. prominent among consumers. Yeah. How do you ensure transparency in your supply chain? I mean, this has been a concern for some time in the industry. The treatment yeah. of workers on tea plantations, yeah. for instance, and everything yeah. else along that chain, including environmental issues.
0: Yeah, I think what we try to do is we actually internally do audit of the plantations that we buy from. So we actually have a framework of different aspects that we actually audit on a very regular basis. And we only buy from plantations that are fair trade. So that's more uh, international standard. But we also have our internal standards of grading these plantations. And the idea is to have very much a closer relationship with some of these people that run these plantations and that that way we have a much deeper understanding of what's actually going on um and then of course i think now we're we're sort of starting to embark on getting certification for there's a international certification called b corp and that's something that we're trying to do group wide my sister in her jewelry business has been recently certified and I think through that process, there'll be a lot more information that we will be sharing with consumers as well.
1: Yeah, I think all of these things are a major concern, especially how the workers are being treated as well. So I understand yeah. you do have specific initiatives to ensure that every worker on the plantation is receiving a fair wages.
0: That's right. So right now uh, in Sri Lanka, that's determined by a law where The hammer price at the auction, uh, the wage of the worker would be, the payment would be 60% of the the selling price. So if the the selling price did go up, the plucker would actually uh, earn more money. And that's also something that I really try and push, whether Mm. it's within my brand or in the B2B business, where we buy much more expensive teas, So thereby naturally pushing up. the the wage that the worker would would earn.
1: And consumers need to be aware of this. They need to be willing to pay more so that people along the chain can be paid fairly.
0: That's right. And I think that's the advantage that I have. I'm not on a supermarket shelf. Uh, It's not a race to the bottom for me. And I'm promoting globally a much higher quality cup of tea. And the idea is to really allow that to trickle down Uh, and and us to expand and be successful. And that would have a tremendous positive knock-on effect down the line.
1: I hope so, because really the people who are in there and who are in the race to the bottom, I think they really need to also set different standards and consumers need to be willing to cooperate as well. Here's the thing, climate change is a major issue and I believe that it is posing a threat to the tea business. Tell me more about this.
0: Yes, so we buy a lot of our teas from Sri Lanka, and you know we have had issues with droughts or very heavy rain, and what what that uh, affects is the crop, the crop output, and uh, the all the crop quality. So basically, in a in a in a FMV business, what you want is stable inputs from a flavor perspective, from a quality perspective, and the moment you have these climate change issues you really, both parameters sort of go off. You If there's too much rain, the, the taste of the tea actually is deteriorating. And if it's too dry, the, the leaves actually die. So uh, one affects quality, one affects the quantity, and, and that affects us. So we see a lot more issues now than we have in the past. So definitely climate change is 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 affecting us
1: the thing is according to the u.n with global demand for tea actually growing at more than two percent per year the pressures on land for cultivation of course is increasing just as the effects of climate change become ever more extreme too so how can the tea industry actually sequester carbon dioxide and mitigate climate change instead of adding to the problem
0: So the interesting thing about this question is that I think if we did an analysis across business industries across the world, I think one would realize that the tea industry would be a very interesting uh, business that has a very low end-to-end carbon emission. So Mm -hmm. because of the fact that the tea bush, we only pluck the top two leaves. So the rest of the leaves are, are sort of absorbing and sequestering all this carbon and actually are like carbon sinks and the whole business also doesn't involve a lot of heavy uh, sort of production and heavy machinery so as a category the tea business could be a very green business and that's a study that I'm I want to give a, a, a university to actually analyze this how does the tea uh, industry fare? but uh, my understanding of it, you know, just understanding the different parts, we would be a pretty green industry. Oh, at, right. Right, yeah. right.
1: I'm pretty sure that consumers will be looking into this as well Absolutely. as they pick their favorite brand of tea. So what's Absolutely. next for you guys, Rehan?
0: So uh, we're currently working on a rebranding. And, uh, you know, so we want to renovate our flagship probably early, early next year after Chinese New Year. So I guess that's the big thing that I'm really excited about the next step for the brand. And uh,
1: why is that, a rebranding necessary?
0: I feel that there were certain equities that, that are tied to the past. I think uh, there's certain things that I want to simplify, that I want, There's certain business reasons why I want to do this, and I think it needs to be relevant to a certain uh, target audience, and and that I believe would allow the brand to uh, grow.
1: Give us some details. You keep saying certain, certain. What you, (laughs) what exactly are you referring to? What are those certain brand equities that were relevant before that are not now, and what do you want to do?
0: Yeah. I feel. I think overall, the brand has had a lot of uh, heavy heavy um, sort of material usage, uh, uh, much uh, more complex design. And really what I believe today, there's so much uh, information, there's so much imagery, there's so much uh, content that's, that's happening all over the world. And I think brands need to simplify themselves to be uh, understood uh, easier. Even a simple thing like our brand story, it's Pretty much the original brand story was about maybe about 40 lines. So uh, is, that, is that something that we could uh, allow consumers to understand us really quickly in today's digital world? Right? Mm-hmm. People are going to give you three seconds. You know, we don't have the luxury of expressing a brand in, in you know, half an hour or an hour. You, know, you, have to, you have to engage that customer in that 10 seconds to the extent that you can. That's, that's congruent to who you are. And I think that's really how I'm looking at it. I'm, I'm thinking that the world is digital, and how do we set things up to link to that? To link All
1: right. That and speaking of time, we have run out of it. Many thanks, of course, to Rehan Amarasuria. Thanks for joining us today, yeah. Rehan. He is director of the 1872 Clipper Tea Company and executive director of BP De Silva Holdings.
0: To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at moneyfm893.sg.